0: You're listening to the awesome podcast network. Welcome back to our official 200th episode slash Christmas celebration here on Age of Visitors. We talk about Ernest saves Christmas, as well as many other things, as we'll get to in the podcast. <laughs> and I should note, first and foremost, everybody, there are less Jedi spoilers at the end, and we give fair warning. So listen to all the Ernest stuff, and we'll give you a warning, and then we'll see you next time. But uh, anyway, Ernest uh, Says Christmas came out November 11th, 1988, just a couple of days after George H.W. Bush won election over Michael Dukakis, becoming the first sitting vice president of the United States in 152 years to be elected as president of the United States. And if we're lucky, that will not happen this next election, or the one after that. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of brings down the, oh wait, that's politics. God damn it. Sorry, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on with the show.
1: This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Smell those Christmas trees.
0: You can keep your channel number five. Just give me a whiff of the old lonesome pine. That symbol of brotherly love. That centerpiece that all mankind gathers around to share the cranberry sauce shaped like a can. Welcome back and Merry Christmas to your latest blast of the past. The actual Two hundredth episode for me, at least, <laughs> of '80s revisited. Jesse's one ahead of me; Mom will always mug. be one ahead of me, unless perhaps maybe I'll just secretly put up a couple
1: <laughs> just <laughs> random little episodes. You can do a solo one, and then we'll, or I'll probably just put out a whole bunch like <laughs> just by myself. You probably
0: or... already have them banked, just waiting <laughs> to play your
1: hand. <laughs>
0: yeah, the true supervillain. But that's right. Special Christmas episode. uh, Not the original surprise I had in mind, but more on that in just a little bit. But we're going to be talking this week about Ernest again. The last time we can talk about him in the 80s as he saves Christmas, which he did on November 11th, 1988. IMDb gives it a 5.6. Rotten Tomatoes, critics say 38%, 41% audience. Budget was an estimated $6 opened at 5.7, so almost made its money back just in its opening weekend. But it opened at number two. Didn't make the number one spot thanks to a little film called Child's Play, which also was in its first week. Mm. Uh, domestically, however, it went on to gross 28.2, nearly quadru- uh, definitely over-quadrupling its budget. Couldn't find information worldwide rentals, Reynolds, but I'm sure there had to be at least another $6 million or so in rentals. I'd imagine. At least in our neck of the woods down here in the South, because we're the breadbasket of earnest fandom where he was born and raised, so to speak, before he graduated to big films, mm. uh, all of which were directed by John R. Cherry, who did, like I said, every single Ernest movie. <laughs> every damn one and every Ernest commercial. And all anything Ernest, he pretty much directed. Good for him. Good yeah, to have a claim to fame, I guess. Yeah. Uh, written by B. Klein. That's what he's listed out on IMDb. And this was the only thing he ever wrote. And to one-up him, Ed Turner, the other co-writer... Uh, wrote this, but he did have one other credit, which I didn't even bother listing because I clicked on the link and IMDb and it was just garbage. So, didn't bother typing it on my little sheet.
1: It's called Winners Take All. There you go. If you're yeah. interested.
0: If you want to check out Ed Turner's work. Right. If you thought the writing in this film was so great that you want to see what else these geniuses did,
1: there's only literally one other movie and that's only 50% of the writing team. Well, it has Don Michael Paul in it, you know? From Death Race and Tremors 5? <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Whoever that is. <laughs> but anyway, starring the late and the always great, in my opinion, Jim Varney as Ernest Power Tools World. Of course, the Ernest series, Slinky Dog and Toy Story One or Two, passed away before three. Uh Beverly Hillbillies, the big budget adaptation with uh Lily Tomlin and him and uh Leah Thompson. Diedrich Bader was in it, and then uh, what's her name? Erica Elenak, or Eliniac, El- El- however you pronounce her last name, was uh, the daughter. Of Ellie May. Ellie Mae. I haven't seen that movie in forever, but I was so excited because Jim Varney was in it, even though he was in Ernest. But anyway, supporting cast: Douglas Seal was Santa. Uh, most notably, you've all probably heard him before at least because he was the Sultan in Aladdin. Wow. Uh, he also was in Amadeus, and he was speaking of sequelitis. Another tie-in to sequelitis and technically Christmas, because Ghostbusters 2 takes place during Christmas uh, and New Year's. uh, He was the Plaza Hotel Man in Ghostbusters 2. Mm. Unfortunately, he did pass away in 1999. Uh, Oliver Clark was Joe. He was also in Mystery Men and a lot of TV. Uh, Noelle Parker, very Christmas name you got there, Noelle. She was Harmony, uh, pretty much did nothing but miscellaneous TV, but it is worth noting that she was nominated for a Daytime Emmy in 1993, for her performance in the CBS School Break special, Different Worlds, A Story of Interracial Love. Wow. Okay. Uh, Robert Lesser was Marty Brock, and the only reason I mention him, because he this is his second Christmas movie, he is better, other or otherwise known, I guess I should say, and maybe, honestly, better well-known as the passenger in Die Hard who tells Bruce Willis the best thing for jet lag is to take off your shoes and make fists with your toes. Which is a vital plot point. It seems insignificant at the time in the beginning of the movie, but really <laughs> comes into play before that movie's that's over. That's how they do it, exactly. Uh, Galliard Sartain, I assume that's how you pronounce his name, is Chuck. He was also in The Outsiders. Uh, Ernest goes to camp as well. The real McCoy with Kim Basinger and a name we used to mention every episode, Val Kilmer. Mm. And he also had the privilege of starring with John Candy in his final film, Wagons East. Now the next two are a little confusing. There's Bill Burge, who was Bobby. He was in Ernest Goes to Jail, Ernest Scared Stupid, Ernest Goes to School, and several episodes of Hey, Vern, it's Ernest. And then there's Billy Bird. She's the old lady who uh, plays Mary in this film, but she was also in Police Academy 4, another Christmas movie. She was in Home Alone, Sixteen Candles, lots of TV, and she passed away in 2002. But yeah, she's the passenger in Home Alone, the plane passenger in Home Alone, speaking of another cameo with Plane Passenger, uh, who uh, Catherine Harris pleading with, I'll give you everything I own just to give me your goddamn airplane seat. And that cadre of a husband's like, no, 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 I don't care. And she's like, oh, herb or whatever. And then finally, that's how she gets home to Kevin. Although, if she just would have waited to begin with, she'd have been home five seconds later. Right.
1: But (laughs) But, then you don't have a movie. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, You got to have that, you know,
0: the mother's love to get home to her son. (laughs) But anyway, Ernest Saves Christmas, my
1: least favorite of the original Ernest movies, as a kid at least. Are you sure you named everybody, though? I mean, we forgot about the music, the, that iconic Ernest music from Mark Snow. Didn't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> he was nominated for 15 Emmys. Oh, really? What else did he do? He did the theme for The X-Files. Wow. And all the music for The X-Files and Smallville and One Tree Hill. And yeah, he's had a long career after Shame Ernest. on me. He's next to Jim <laughs> Varney. He's the biggest name in this film. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Bad on me. Definitely one of the most <laughs> iconic television themes of all time with the X Files. But you got to start
1: somewhere. Yeah, you got to start with Saving Christmas.
0: And the, the music's <laughs> not bad in here. I mean, there's no I know qualms with the music. There's no, right. but you know, there is no Ernest doesn't have a theme or there's no
1: recurring melody or anything. But it he all really works. didn't start here. I mean, but from where he is now, I mean, he started in the '70s. But <laughs> hey, like you said, there you go a little bit of music. But hey, back you got
0: to, he got to work on an Ernest movie. I'm jealous.
1: Yeah, more than I, yeah, I absolutely. Got to do.
0: But uh, yeah, Ernest says Christmas as a kid. This was the one I only watched around Christmas time, obviously because it is a Christmas movie. Never, never appealed to me as much in terms of rewatchability as Camp or Jail or Stupid, Scared Stupid, I should say. Because to me, I am an Ernest fan, proud of it. However, I I agree that there's you know much like there's only three Indiana Jones movies. To be perfectly honest, there's really only four Ernest movies. <laughs> Of nine? Yes. <laughs> once, I mean, once they, I mean, and, and they ended, And for me, at least in terms of the theatrically released ones, the last one being Scared Stupid, they went out with a bang. Absolutely love Scared Stupid. I mean, not a year goes by in my life that I don't hear somebody else who I don't know or didn't, had no clue they ever saw Ernest Scared Stupid make a me joke all the time. So And of course, we do live here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where the Ernest character was born and raised on television commercials, for everything from milk to insurance to all sorts of stuff, and then, of course, the movies and the TV show on Saturday morning, which always came on like, it was like that 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. or 6.30 time slot, so it was like stupidly early every time it would actually come on and I'd catch it, almost Mm -hmm. by just sheer luck, flipping Mm -hmm. channels, seeing what was on after Looney Tunes went off. Uh, But yeah, Scared Saves Christmas... Uh, you said he ended with Scared Stupid to me it did that's when the series oh, ended <laughs> okay. Yeah,
1: because then there's Goes to School Rides Again slam,
0: yeah Rides Again Slam Dunk Ernest Goes to School Army and goes Africa Goes to Africa
1: and um, and the final one which one was the final one Army yeah, Army what you yeah. said yeah
0: I tried to watch those last two I told you off the air but everybody yeah. obviously it wasn't in the room as much as I love Ernest couldn't even get 10 minutes into him so bad just so nice. shoddily done and, you know, again, these are all directed by the same guy, which, in some regards, if you're doing, like, a, something of... I don't want to say of note, because I love the first four movies with all my heart and nostalgia and everything. We'll pass it on to my child. But, I mean, this series could have benefited from some other vision. Not that it's one of the greatest film series of all time. Not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. But Goes to Jail... Saves Christmas, uh, goes to camp and Scared Stupid, four fantastic films, fun family comedy. I can, uh, as I loved them as a kid and I've watched them all as an adult and I still laugh.
1: And those are the only ones rated over a five on IMDb. All Understand, the other ones below a five.
0: Understandable. I completely. I don't. I, yeah. I can't. I can't argue that. I mean, there's a after Scared Stupid, which again to me is probably the best one. Uh, just the drop off is like. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the end of Ernest in terms of, uh, well, I mean, you know, direct to video and all that. I mean, that's a nationwide release, but I mean, you know, that was sort of the end of that brief shining moment from 1987, I think was Camp. And camp then was
1: 87, yeah.
0: Scared Stupid was 92, 91? Yeah, 91. So just three, uh, four years, pretty much, where, you know, Ernest movies were. You know, worth worthwhile for Touchstone, a subsidiary of Disney, to pump out every, or every year or so, every year and a half. Yeah. But regardless, Say It's Christmas, as a kid, like I said, I, I liked it, but it wasn't... I'm not going to watch it when it's not December. Yeah. So, I, you know, it, honestly, of the four... And again, when I, say, when I say earnest movies, I'm talking about the first four. I'm not going to talk about the other ones, because I don't have... You know, I love Jim Varney, but I don't have any love for those movies like these first four, because I think they're just so well done for what they are. But anyway, this one, this is the one I've always been least familiar with, because seasonal. Uh, watch Ernest Saves Camp anytime, watch Goes to Joe anytime, watch Scared Stupid anytime, even not not just around Halloween, even though that's when I usually end up making sure I watch it. But yeah, this one, as a kid, still loved it. You know, the, the jokes. The thing I love about the, this series is that the humor, at least to me, and everybody's sense of humor is a little different. It worked for me as a kid to where I was rolling on the floor laughing. And as an adult, it's more the idiosyncrasies. And in my opinion, the genius of Jim Varney's character to what, if you listen to what he's saying, not just the, you know, the obvious, I mean, there's bad puns, that kind of thing. But like when he goes off about like explaining things in a very, dude was a thesaurus. <laughs> in terms of like when he would describe something. Yeah. Now, granted, how much of that is the writing? How much of that is him? I it's like to believe in, in my heart that, <laughs> that it's a good bit him. Uh, let me have a shout out to another podcast who never responded to me when I gave them John R. Cherry's information to contact and get him as a guest on their podcast because they don't have an explicit tag, which is why we didn't get that interview for Ernest Saves camp, Goes to Camp and they never message me back. But I'll give them a shout out anyway. But there's an Ernest Goes to Podcast podcast, and that's what it's called. Oh, wow. So if, if you like Ernest and you listen to their podcast, be sure to send him a letter and say, I heard you from 80s. I heard you were recommended by Asia Visitor, and you never respond to him when he sent you that information.
1: Well, I mean, it could be maybe they're not still active.
0: Oh, they are. Because oh, I are? saw, I, you know, on Facebook, I saw that my message was seen.
1: <laughs> so there you
0: go. I'm just picking. But anyway, I'm trying to think where I was going. But uh, The last episode apparently came out like seven months ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, they've already covered all the movies so and the TV show, so where do you go? Yeah, where do you go? <laughs> You're kind of done. <laughs> that's, that's true. Where do you go? Uh, but I mean, I'm an Ernest fanboy for the most part. Last year for Halloween at our office, I dressed like Ernest, and uh, only two people knew who I was, which is fine. But well, they think you were otherwise. Uh, Mike Rowe. Which I said, it's funny you mentioned that because yeah. Micro looks just like Ernest. Yeah, he could probably play. Him. <laughs> yeah, they did a dramatic, serious Ernest movie. it yeah, could be funny, I think. I think mean, it could be funny. But he's got that. He, you know, Micro's got that dry sense. I say dry, but it's not dry. Dry is actually the wrong word. But I mean, he's very. Jim Varney is slapstick. Yeah, Mike Rowe is not slapstick. No, he is humorous, but in a different way. Not exactly physical humor, physical comedy. Jim Varney excelled at that. The dude's face was made of rubber. I mean, he could do practically <laughs> anything. Before, you know, Jim Carrey was... Ew, yeah. Jim Varney was doing it as earnest. <laughs> but yeah, say it's Christmas. It's still... Uh, just watch it the other night, as usual. We do each year for, for Christmas. Always fit in the rotation. And uh, even my wife, with her, speaking of dry humor, you know, still chuckles at several parts. I still laugh at several parts. It's still... It's a, it's a great family movie. And that's obviously what the earnest character was meant to be. It was meant to be a family-friendly series from start to finish. There's hardly, uh, uh, I don't even think any of them might have anything harder than a damn in terms of profanity uh, and all that. I mean, it's all, you know, uh, there's no deep themes in it. It's just absolute. So it's the best of the three stooges and, you know, he, and a combine the Beverly... I'll well, have to use you know, something Jim Varney went on to. Combine the Beverly Hillbillies with the Three Stooges, and their son is Ernest P. Worrell, And that's what you get. And you know what you get by... The, and I, now, this is the second Ernest movie, so you kind of knew where you were going with it in terms of what you're getting, and that you get exactly what you expect. Unlike the new Star Wars, maybe. Ooh, spoilers. Maybe later we'll talk about that, since thankfully Jesse has seen it, uh, so we can actually talk. But... uh yeah, in terms of the Ernest movies, this is it's still my least favorite of the of the four again, just because you know they they really drive home the the sentimental story part of this one a bit more so than goes to camp or there isn't one and goes to jail. Scared Stupid's got the scene that makes me cry every fucking time with the dog at the end, which I think I've talked about on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the best way to get something out of me. Either if you want me to hate you, you have the villain kill a dog. Or you have, like, you know, you make me think the dog's dead. I'm going to be a crying mass on the floor. And then, arf, arf, oh, my God, the dog's are alive. <laughs> and then I can cry tears of joy at that point. But it, this movie, it, it does work for what it is. It's because uh, there's so, this is, there's so many stories like this to where, like, I mean, the Santa Claus is even almost, you know, similar. Where you have something, there's a danger of Christmas not happening. Yeah. You know, it is a trope of Christmas movies. Uh there's that movie the uh there's San- the Santa Claus. There's Santa Claus the movie. Uh almost any Christmas movie. The Night the Reindeer Died, which is right. a joke <laughs> movie from Scrooge, which totally should have been a real movie. <laughs> they should make that like Bill Murray in all of his supreme coolness should just be like, I'm gonna make that movie for Christmas next year and just make it we'll with an it. all updated cast.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can. We just need snow. <laughs> snow. Which happens like once every seven years or
0: so. Yeah, we have to film it all on that one day. Yeah. Or the snow's going to... We're
1: losing the snow! Come on! Go.
0: Spray paint the lawn. <laughs> That's what John Carpenter would have done. Would do, I should say. But yeah, in terms of the artist movie, still my fourth favorite. Still a good movie. Still a great family Christmas movie that your kids will laugh at and I'll laugh at. And I mean, it works on both levels, which I think is where comedies need to... Especially... Excuse me, PG comedies and like uh, cartoons these days. Uh, they all, you know, Pixar is a great example. On the surface level, for the children, they're having a great time. But on that level, as an adult, you're fighting back tears by the end, mm. or something, or those those little hints that, like, you know, this movies that can work like that. And I think that's exceptionally hard to do. I'm not saying the Ernest series is like deserves so much credit for you know operating on this. It just works because. It all comes down to me. It comes down to Jim Varney. He uh-huh. is, an his personality and just like, the goddamn likableness just come through with the Ernest character. He is a little touched Gentile soul. And I think he plays that to perfection to where that's why Ernest himself, as a kid, you're like, oh, he's so cool. He's so funny. And as an adult, you're like, God, he's an idiot. But you can't <laughs> help but just hope that he pulls through. And uh, fights a good fight, you know. So, but yeah, uh, there's something else I want to say, but it's escaping me at the moment. So we'll just start talking about the trivia, and maybe it'll come back to me by then. There you but, go. But uh, well, have you? I mean, you've have you seen this, Jesse?
1: Oh man, it's been years. But you have seen it. I mean, sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now you grew, oh, we obviously both grew up in Louisiana. So, were you familiar with the Ernest character at
1: all outside oh. of the movies, or just no? Uh, when you said he was from the commercials. If I would have been playing trivia, if you asked me, did it come before or after the movies, I would probably have said after, Mm -hmm. which is incorrect. Um, But that's, yeah, no. (laughs) Caught him at the movies when everybody else did. Mm -hmm. And that's how most people did, because uh, I
0: want to say, because John R. Cherry has a marketing firm. It was Cherry and something was the name of it. I can't remember I'm not Ernest's story. go listen to Ernest goes to the podcast and tell him I sent you and remind him to respond to my email and at least say thank you. Uh, so at least I know they're not dead. But anyway, uh, so the Ernest character was simply just a pure marketing thing, just like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, and they would, they would come up with a – just like, uh, in fact, locally here there's a lawyer called Gordon McKernan. Free, I hate to even mention his name just cuz that's free advertisement that son of a bitch <laughs> but when you come to Louisiana <laughs> you're going to see you're going to comf- you're going to com- you're going to get here and you're going to see billboard after billboard after billboard with this smug motherfucker's picture on it about <laughs> getting it done if you go with him and he's just a, a lawyer that you know prosecutes big rig accidents and all that kind of crap and he has the most obnoxious building right down the road from us off of college drive with a gigantic fucking G on it yeah Ugh. Anyway, sorry, there's local a- <laughs> tangent. But when you come to Louisiana, if you ever pa- even if you pass through, you will see a Gordon McKernan billboard, at least 20
1: of them if you're on the interstate. They are everywhere. And it's a matter of time before Gordon McKernan saves Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we ought to just pitch that to him, just to make some money. There's a, um, on Facebook, there's a webpage called Gordon McKernan McMemes. Oh, it's so yeah, I like it. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's oh, okay.
0: fantastic. <laughs> it is so good. Again, local humor, but we do have a lot of local people that listen, so y'all, we know y'all are laughing. Yeah. But the reason I bring him up is because he has, he has a commercial that is so ridiculously silly where he throws a hammer with a G on it. J- Jesse knows what I'm talking about. Yes. But anyway, the marketing firm that did that commercial shops that exact same commercial around to other lawyers— and they just changed the letter on the hammer and the the camera shot of the lawyer himself. Probably a green screen or something like that. And that's exactly how they operated with the Ernest character. They would film twenty commercials a day. Oh wow! With Jim Varney, they on the set and just like, yeah, that's right, Vern, I drink mm, bluebell milk. And then you know <laughs> he would nail it the first take. They bring it back. That's right, Vern, I love me some red cow milk. And then there's a boom. There's a commercial. There's your money, 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 money. Wow. So the earnest character was embedded again, very regionally in terms of familiarity with commercial and like electricity. Like I remember, I think it was GE maybe, or that's the ones I remember seeing about just yeah, Gulf States. Make, yeah, that's it. Gulf States. Gulf States utilities. That's exactly right.
1: GSU. Now energy.
0: Yep. Uh, that's the ones that I remember. My dad still calls it GSU. That's the only it Wow. <laughs> Old timer, <laughs> but you know, he came, the Ernest character went from milk and electricity commercials to nine feature films. Four of which went to, th- went to theaters, which is still no, you know, a big deal, obviously a big deal. It was a very bankable commodity for five years or so. And, of course, it introduced the world to, and again, honestly, I believe the genius of Jim Varney. I think he was a very... Very, I think he was an amazing actor, and from all the stories I've heard as a human being, I haven't ever read a bad thing about him. Not to say, I'm not saying he's Jesus Christ, mm. but you know it's you often hear how some celebrities are just assholes in person. Or, but I heard uh, it was actually on that other podcast I mentioned, which I've already gave him two plugs. I won't give him a third till they message me back. But uh, <laughs> they they actually interviewed I think one of his cousins or uh, nephews is the right word about how like. Uh, Uncle Jim would come and pick him up in a DeLorean, but he would wow. drive around their little Tennessee town blaring classical music on purpose, just to be obnoxious. Sure. Uh, but Jim Varney, the man, as well, like uh, really I mean, a, a tragic figure in, in the sense of what I'm going to get on right now is that, well, first of all, he died a lung cancer. He smoked all his life, and that's what got him in the end, unfortunately. Otherwise, he'd still be around, uh, likely, I would hope. But anyway, he, he always wanted to do more serious stuff. That would have been cool. Which I, I honestly believe he would he would have been amazing. Because mm-hmm. watch watch this one. Uh, this was the second one, obviously, the third one as well. Yeah, I mean, the, everyone aside from Ernest goes to camp pretty much, where he does the multiple personality bits, especially Scared Stu because he does like fifty of them. Mm. But I mean, you know, you see other comedians like you know they have their characters. You know, uh, Andy Kaufman had his... He had his other characters.
1: And, you know, yeah. he had
0: a couple of characters that he would bring out during his routine. Jim Varney could do 50 of them. Yeah. Now, I'm not comparing a stand-up comedian to a film because that's, you know, stand-up, you're live. Varney's you're done doing. stand-up.
1: What's that? Varney's done stand-up.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I heard of that. You can find that on YouTube. Oh, well, I'm going to go watch that when we get home. When I get home, I should say. I uh, did not know that, but uh, as an, looking at him as, you know as the actor as the person like he could have done so much more however much like you know uh, William Shatner uh, I'm trying to think of you know any, any typecast actor he got pigeonholed of being that character hmm. which he did every time exceptionally well you know which is why it's like we need, we're, we're doing the Beverly Hillbillies who could be Jed Clampett did they even think about it I mean just like Jim Varney yeah. There, there's jed clampett right there and that was early 90s i'm pretty sure uh because i was still relatively before you know the Ernest character lost any of its popularity or anything uh so you know but it is a absolute shame that uh his biggest dream was to do shakespeare and hmm. like professionally like in some regard and i i honestly believe he would have nailed it but unfortunately it never got to that point just that's how that's life, unfortunately, but we always have the earnest movies. Always bring a smile to my face, and I love them to death. Uh, sorry, Ben Wyatt, our friend in Tasmania just messaged me, so I was making sure it wasn't something relevant to the podcast to bring up. <laughs> so just checking. Uh, but anyway, some trivia. This is the only earnest movie, uh, movie. Uh, sorry, the only earnest movie in which Vern, quote unquote, appears, and by appears, first person camera when he's ho touched. ho ho Vern. Yeah. He's, Vern's not in any of the other movies. Okay. But it, that was big on the, and all the commercials were like, hey, Vern! That, that was the big deal. That was the, actually, th- that shot in this film is the homage to how Ernest was born. All the commercials were, 90% of them at least, were, was him talking to Vern with the camera being playing the role of Vern. Hmm. And this was the only movie in which they did that gag. Uh, Ernest says Christmas was the most successful of the entire series at the box office, which is surprising to me because it's definitely not the best one, uh, in my opinion. But of course, you know, other Ernest Ernites out there have their opinions. Uh, John Cherry, of course, the director of this, as well as every single other thing Ernest was ever in, uh, he thought that this was the best of them as well. So good for him. Disagree. Uh, <laughs> during filming, production ran into trouble when the reindeer began to shed their antlers, so they had to get. Replacement antlers. So I'm not sure if that's like uh what was that, Lady Killers with Tom Hanks or like they glue the stuff to the rats' heads yeah. or something. I think it was that. There's some no it was scrooge Scrooge. Yeah. wrong movie. Jeez. Seasonally appropriate. Uh it was Scrooge like Bummer's like, just glue them. You can't glue those to a rat? The mouse. But uh so they somehow put fake antlers on the reindeer.
1: Huh.
0: They didn't say anything, so that could be one of those things that they hide. Don't tell anybody. Don't
1: let PETA know. Yeah,
0: (laughs) or that, you know, no reindeers were harmed in the making of this film. Uh, The Orlando Children's Museum featured in this film is actually the Orlando Science Center, which has since moved to a new location. The building is now used for the city's annual Shakespeare Festival and other theater performances. Uh All comes around. Interesting. (laughs) This is the only Arnest Film not to have a villain. Uh, when Jim Varney was asked why this movie was rated PG, he replied, unusual cruelty to reindeer. And that's probably an inside joke with them hammering antlers onto their heads or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's worth noting, too, that this film was the first major feature film uh, that, uh, that was filmed almost entirely in Orlando, Florida. At that time, the unfinished Disney MGM Studios, which, of course, is now Hollywood Studios. Uh, Even that's changing, it, right? I think so. Uh, they're doing... I think they're doing something. They've I think, overhauled it significantly. Yeah. But when I was a kid, it was the Disney MGM Studios. Yeah. And then they changed it to Disney's Hollywood Studios. And then who knows where it's going in the future. Uh, Vern's house was actually a facade located on Residential Street at the park and was part of the Studio Backlot Tour until it was demolished in 2002. So that's all gone now, unfortunately. Uh, score-wise, this one, I'd give it a 6.5. It's still good. I'll watch it around Christmas. But any other time of year, I will watch Goes to Jail, Goes to Camp, or Scared Stupid over this one every single time. Yep. It's just, it's a it's a great Christmas movie. And there you go. That's Ernest Saves Christmas. That's it. Too bad Ernest couldn't save himself to still <laughs> be around and still make some Ernest movies. Yeah. And it's just, a, like I said, it's just a, the biggest tragedy about it all is that Jim Varney really wanted to do something serious with his career, but just never got that opportunity. Although, by all accounts, from Close friends and other people who knew him thought that he would have knocked it out of the park. But we know how finicky the film business can be. Like when you're Shane Black and have an amazing script to a sequel to a fantastic film, (laughs) and they just go, ah, nah, and throw it over their shoulder, light a cigar, and laugh maniacally, and make a funny buddy cop movie devoid of all interesting drama. More on that previous episode.
1: Previous episode, yeah.
0: But yeah, uh, so before we get into the Back to the Future stuff, this is officially the 200th episode of 80s Revisited, not including the uh, highlight episode that Jesse did. And he actually narrated part of that too. So it is is for sure his 201 episode. But in terms of me being here talking to you guys and girls, it is my 200th. And that's a very special, special thing for anybody who's in the world of podcasting. That's a huge milestone. Most podcasts don't make it that far. But I would like to give, in addition to our shout-outs at the end, this is the 80s Revisited 200th episode. Gratitude list, uh. if you will. <laughs> so if, I'm, if I if if I forget you, please send me a message just to let me know. But I went through all our emails, all of our messages oh, to make crap. sure I got the name of every person who ever contributed any thoughts or ideas, or even just said good even job. All the guests and everything. Yep. All right. So the only people I didn't include were people who left iTunes reviews because I wasn't going to say, oh, snarky dude fifty four, good job. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, first and foremost, Ben Wyatt, who's uh, become a great friend that, you know, hopefully one day we'll, I'll be able to shake your hand and share a pint when you come to America. Uh, John Foreman, our first guest host outside of our circle of friends uh, with the Now Versus Nostalgia podcast, another a great local friend who uh, you know we've only met once, but I mean, we still chat all the time. Uh, friend of mine in formerly Riverside, California, John Martinez, hope you're safe with all these second wave of fires that are bursting out over there. Mm. And our friends across the pond, UK Lee Bragg, uh, Peter Gray, because again, we're big in big in England. Can't show our face on the street without getting mobbed. It's yeah. like it's like the Beatles. Yeah, we can't walk over there. Uh, my brother in horror, Roger Russell. Uh, we played Friday the Thirteenth when it came out a good bit. And anytime there's any sort of horror related thing, we the first one to message each other about it. Yep. Uh, speaking of horror, Anthony at the Creepshow Museum. I promise we'll get that second part of that interview eventually. Uh, shout out to Russ Abram. He was the first one to ever send us an email. Wow, way back in the day. Uh, Doug McCoy who's the author who wrote uh, Anesthesized about uh, the NES and all that uh, Okay. Uh, which I don't I read that you sent a copy of it to me and I read it and I think I don't if, remember if I actually mentioned on the air that it, it was a good I enjoyed it uh, I think okay. I'm because I, I was thinking back when I looked i like oh shit I know I mentioned it but I don't remember if <laughs> I mentioned that I finished it so uh, Doug if you're still listening <laughs> which I hope you are uh, enjoy your, your book enjoy your book Uh, Kim Green, uh, Daniel Geiselman. He was the one who won our Call of Duty contest back in the day. Uh, Harry Dempsey, Jen McCarthy. I'm still, you know, my little adolescent heart hoping that's the Jenny McCarthy, but (laughs) it's just a fool's hope. She's too busy anti-vaccinationing (laughs) in it up. Uh, Jason Adams, Matthew Leschen, Jeff Penney, like the pasta, I'm assuming, is how you pronounce your last name. Jason Adams, Mark Wilber, Craig Petty, Joshua Carr, uh, local firefighters as well. Shout out to Josh. Uh, Sean Aber, our friendly zookeeper and concrete, concrete artist, among other things. And, of course, producer extraordinaire Jesse Sedgley, our original co-host, Daniel Santangelo, and substitute co-host, my wife, Autumn, yep. and, of course, Andrea, who also guest-hosted uh, with Daniel a couple times. So those are just a few of the people that made it a good time, aside from me and Jesse.
1: For the last five, six years, something
0: like that.
1: 200 episodes, five, yeah. Some people have done it in less, but eh.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Those people are called Kevin Smith, Joe Rogan. Or
1: people who do like dailies. Yeah, Yeah. those people too. Good work. Yeah, good work, (laughs) radio stations. Yeah, there you go.
0: There you go. So that's the Back to the Future part for that, for the 200th episode. And it was my mission to make this one something special, but plans fell through. I was hoping... Like I always say, it might take five episodes, it might take 200, but I keep my promises. <laughs> Our, my original plan, I'll spoil that here, but it'll still be a surprise when it actually happens. When it pops up in your feed like, oh, they right. finally got it. Uh, the original idea for this episode was to have Daniel come back. He agreed to do it, we just couldn't get it scheduled in time. The man works, I think, two jobs, has f- three kids and a wife. So, you know, his schedule's very, uh, very finicky. Uh, in- as opposed to me and Jesse, who were like, Tomorrow? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we're more fluid. Although of course, once my little one pops out, my schedule might be a little more restricted. But that's not gonna stop us. Not gonna stop us at all. Now if I get pop out three or four like Daniel, then we might be there might be another situation. But anyway, we're gonna do Mr. Mom like we promised all those years ago, in like the first season, so to speak, of the podcast.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so Mr. Mom with Daniel will be something that will happen. I promise. It just, unfortunately, timing didn't work out to get it for this episode in celebration of 200 episodes of 80's Revisited. But nevertheless, uh, now the back to the future part, that if you have not seen Star Wars The Last Jedi, we'll see you next week for, uh, let me rephrase that, before you turn it off for Star, to avoid Star Wars spoilers, this is our last episode till next year Uh, we got the holidays coming up next week Uh, Christmas Eve is next week when we normally record Uh, and then by the time the next weekend would roll around when we normally record I'll be in California visiting my family John I'll give you a Facebook shout in case we're in your neighborhood Uh, and then after once I get back from California we'll pick up right where we left off we'll be starting request month and we'll get our tickets punched to Hawaii for the Ben can finally leave me alone about it hard ticket to hawaii will be ne- the next episode that airs but again that'll be about two weeks or so so everybody enjoy your christmas if you're turning it off for the last jedi spoilers which begin now okay uh i'll play D&D a little from f- local talk mm-hmm. uh D DD D last night with our friends uh and josh saw it yeah and he met uh after DD he just messaged me we didn't talk about it because jeremy and brock other people who were in the room hadn't seen it so we- okay it was just like oh okay and we left it because you can, you cannot talk about this film without revealing something right i would on like absolutely there's like people are like what do you think i'm like had you have you seen it if the answer is no i'm not going to tell you right you have to see it first uh but anyway just some like, people
1: don't respect that
0: yeah but i avoided the i only saw the teaser for this film uh, I just heard bits and pieces of the trailer while I tried to drum it out with my fingers in my ears and humming at the theater in front of Thor Ragnarok.
1: So, After I saw it, though. I did see the trailer. It didn't give much away. Well, not my that, opinion. I mean, not Here's what here's like the poster to me because
0: I've seen the poster. Yeah. And I think the teaser had that the the end part with the salt and the, you know, the visually yes. striking. So, yeah, that's you true. see that and you're like, I know that's coming. So, I know
1: they that's get true. away that's true.
0: It's those it's those things that like. Ah,
1: uh, okay, yeah, you got yeah. In,
0: in your like, I, f- I forgot about that because I was so enamored in the movie until they that showed the, been it. Yeah. until they showed the ATATs and like, oh wait, wait, they still got the whole thing on the planet with the yeah. the red sand and all that. Uh, so anyway, I went into it as blind as I possibly could be in the day and age of social media and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was getting at of D and Josh hated it. He says he puts it on the level of Phantom Menace. Oh wow! Which. I completely disagree with personally. So I guess I'll go on my spiel about it first. Jesse, chime in. Phantom Menace. Which no, that's unexcusable because there there are yeah. only seven. There are only uh yeah. There's no. There's only six Star Wars movies as of now. Four, five, six, seven, eight, and Rogue One. <laughs> yeah. Let me let's be honest. The prequels. I justified them when they when Phantom Menace came out, but no, like. That's when I, when my child who is in utero right now will not see the prequels till after they see four five and six. And I will raise my child that those don't exist just yet. Right now the cartoon, the clone wars, they can watch all that. They want because that's the, you know, that's the Anakin Obi-Wan relationship. And unless you know who Vader is, you only, oh, Anakin's dead? Wow, how did that happen? <laughs> then they watch Empire Strikes Back, and their fragile little minds implode. <laughs> but we'll see. But anyway, uh, there's this film's incredibly divisive. Excuse me. Now, I am a tried and true Star Wars fan. Literally, grew up on the original trilogy. My entire life has been devoted to Star Wars. In a sense, I mean that is. Everybody who knows me knows it. That, that's the guy, you know, don't play Star Wars Trivia Pursuit with Trey. <laughs> now, if it's the original trilogy, right. don't throw in the, because uh, there was a quiz on Facebook, like 25 hardest Star Wars questions. I'm like, I'm going to nail every question on here unless it has to do with the prequels. Sure enough, the seven questions had to do with the prequels, missed them. Yeah. Because I don't give a shit. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I, as most people who are passionate about Star Wars... No, you grew up on 4, 5, and 6. Those were your life. That was all we had until the mid to late 90s. Aside from the Marvel comics, but then you had the expanded universe to where here are the sequels that will never happen. Here's the story after Jedi. Here's some prequel stuff. But it was never, never like the Star Wars prequels. And I remember waiting for that trailer to load over 56K, just frame <laughs> by frame. Holy shit, so excited. Walked out of it. God, that was awesome. Went back and saw it again. It was good. It was good. There were parts of uh... it. was good. And midichlorians, what the fuck were you thinking? And <laughs> thankfully, they've never mentioned that again. Yeah. But anyway, to the last jet, like, if you don't like it to say that it's prequel level to me. Right. It's, that, that's just fucking stupid. Right. Now, again, I respect everybody's opinion. I'm, I'm speaking, you know, t- a little tongue in cheek when I say stuff like that. Everybody's opinion t- differs, but the Phantom Menace and honest, honestly, I'll watch the Phantom Menace any day over Attack of the Clones. To me, that is the worst one, absolutely. The, the Force love story, <laughs> God, like Attack of the Clones was just so like whenever like, uh, last year or no, I'm sorry, year before last, when The Force Awakens came out for December, me and Autumn, we watched them all, mm-hmm. and I was just like, because again, I haven't seen the prequels. Anywhere near as much as I've seen the original trilogy, right? Period. Uh, so it's just like God, like I'm just like this movie is so fucking bad. Like <laughs> Attack of the Clones, just like God, man. Like I can't believe there was a point in my life where I thought this was acceptable. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's just not. Well, it's, because
1: you just came off of Part One, yeah, yeah. And you're
0: just like, it's gonna be better. Yeah, just waiting for the turn of the Vader, <laughs> just turn of the Vader, please. <laughs> but then. You know, Force Awakens comes out. I still... Uh, I fucking... I still love the movie. Yeah. Now, can can you draw the... You know, South Park jokes. Like, yeah, when people going to accept that Force Awakens just a remake of the original Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah but they, it worked. At the As time, a Star it, Wars was, it was fan, what they needed. Yeah. It worked. You introduce these new characters. This one. Now, one of the... One of the funnest things about being a Star Wars fan was after the Force Awakens, okay, who the fuck are Rey's parents? Who the hell is Snoke? Uh what happened with Luke and Ben, all these questions, and we get our answers. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of the hate, this is, this is early. I mean, the movie, ha- movie hasn't even been out a week yet when we're recording this. Right. We're recording this Sunday after it released. I've only seen it once at this point. Uh, but I think those answers are just not satisfactory to people from what they might have
1: imagined to themselves. I think that's a, a big part of it. Well, which, which question would you say was the least satisfactory? Or which answer? Because I got to say, like Ray's parents were in the spoilers, um, just being nobodies. I love. that. I like that. I, yes. That was perfect. I was like, and, fantastic. I'm glad they didn't just make yes a, a second cousin. Because <laughs> when he was
0: when he was saying, "I know your parents are," I was like, "Oh God!" I'm like, my, yeah, my, I, it was dread that he was gonna say something, a name that we knew yeah, exactly. And he says they're nobody. I'm like, fuck it. Oh uh, yeah, uh, like yeah. It, like she like that is the story of Star Wars. Yep. It's not okay. Finally. Get out of your head, people. We're out of the Skywalker circle.
1: Right, this, this terrible family that has yes, that is plumbs the, the galaxy
0: into <laughs> destruction twice. <laughs> twice,
1: they you are know, this uh, is, they that are yeah. that galaxy's Kardashians.
0: So. Yes, and <laughs> like that to me was like, oh, that's genius. Thank God, thank God. All the speculation, oh, it's a Skywalker. I'm like that is that was my biggest thing. Do not make her a Skywalker. There yeah. needs to be no relation to that family, the first family, because mm-hmm. that, that they're 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 not young anymore, obviously. Yeah, which they I think that's the people like they want they want what they had in the original trilogy with those characters, yeah. and I think the Force Awakens did a fantastic job with them in that one with yeah. Han Solo's sacrifice mm-hmm. and everything. Like like that's that's how he should have gone out. Yeah, you know, hurt my heart every time I watch it but that you know what a, that was a great way leia the teas they have in the beginning of this one yeah, yeah. i was like so that's how they're going to do it yeah just like this that's that's, that's how it's going to be and yeah. then she fucking superwoman's in like holy <laughs> shit <laughs> holy shit uh, and then uh, snoke like I want to know his backstory, but it is not integral to the plot line that the thread that we have to follow at this point to where that matters. Right, we're going to get a Rogue One like movie, possibly, or him. there's there'll be a book. Which again, yeah. I don't think you should have to read other outside stuff, it's, unless it's supplemental. Well, because they're making
1: one a year, they need some questions, right? And now they'll get to that. To I'm get sure the answers to yeah.
0: because <laughs> Ryan Johnson's doing a new Star Wars trilogy. That's nothing yeah. to do with this. So who's to say that? You know, who, we don't even know what it's about.
1: Right. You know, my wet it's dream. About, it's about the broom kid.
0: <laughs> my <laughs> wet dream is an R-rated bounty hunter movie. Yeah. But maybe we'll get that one day. Since Disney
1: just bought Fox and they're going to keep Deadpool rated R, we can use an R-rated Star Wars. Yep. You know, just... But associated with that, this felt more like a kid's movie than the last one to me. Hmm.
0: Now, I it did to me. The only part of this movie I didn't care for... Was the entire thing about them having to go get the master code breaker?
1: I was. I didn't. That, this was the same note I told Melissa. It's like all of Finn's stuff was not good. Yeah, that was my only complaint, to be honest. Everything else, like Ray's stuff, was awesome. Absolutely. Like I, feel like they, I feel like they really thought about that stuff, but Finn's stuff was just like thrown in there. They needed him. <laughs> some, they needed something for him to do. Yeah, and and none of his plans came to fruition. Yeah, let's go get the code breaker. Oh. This other guy will do. Yeah, thankfully.
0: <laughs> he, I, I, was all, I was like, oh, Manisha, oh, he's going to be significant.
1: Nah, he's nah. Lando. <laughs> yeah, and then they show up, let's do this particular mission on the, on the ship. Oh, well, that didn't work out, but this other thing will do. It's like, It ne- never worked mm-hmm. out for him. And mm-hmm. things don't work out, and that's fine. Yeah. It's just, give him something, <laughs> like a substance.
0: Uh, yeah, and it's just, and see, I, I, my initial reaction coming out of it was like, I just don't understand why they didn't just tell Poe. The whole plot, like Poe, calm the fuck down.
1: Yeah, we got it under control. Yeah, why are they keeping secrets?
0: Like but that? then she's like, "Well, it's like Leia said, you don't always see the sun." And she was right. I, when I was telling me that she's like, "It's just like that quote Leia said in the movie, you know, even that the sun is there." No, Holdo said it to him. Like, remember what Leia said? You don't always see the sun when it's not there. Yeah. So that's what I was. T- but so at the same time, it's like you just endangered a new character, one of the main characters, mm-hmm. and you're a hot. You know, I, I still like Poe. Like he's like right. he's he's very Han Soloy and, I, and very intentionally I might add. Yeah. Uh, but you know just that whole that was it, that was a prequel type plot line mm-hmm. going over there and like we're out running him for now we got twelve hours so light speed over there and go through this big adventure it was very video gamey almost like you know yeah. in terms but then it's just like uh, the Falcon shows up drops Ray off why didn't the Falcon just go to the fleet in front of the ship where they couldn't attack it. All the transports just go into the Falcon. Gone. Yep. They could have evacuated everybody. Yeah, I mean, it this was is strange nitpicking. that they just left. <laughs> and I'll be perfectly honest. Like a lot of the complaints I'm hearing are just, and this again, this is so early. This is mm-hmm. so early in this film being out. Like I can't wait to see it again. Uh, it's just that people didn't like Snoke just being off, which I thought that was amazing. I yeah. can see the saber turning, and like, do you not see the geni- Like how evil Ren, Kylo Ren is to like. I mean, or, uh, I mean, he is evil, as you see before the film's over, but I mean, uh, how calculating in advance and how dangerous he really is. Yeah. To where, oh, you see, I see the Tabor. I see it ignite and striking his true foe. I'm like, oh my
1: God. Yeah. <laughs> and then you
0: have that amazing fight scene in there. And then the movie did a, going into it as blind as possible, it was great because I hadn't, once I saw, you know, once you think Leia dies and then she doesn't, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, everything, every expectation I have is out the window now. Because right. I have no clue what's going to happen. Yeah. And you know, Ray's parents are like, oh shit. Snoke dead. Hulk. Yeah. And then uh and then there's for the first half of the movie, they totally go with the like they're playing with you, in my opinion. Like, Kylo is good. Like Oh yeah, yeah. Like like they're gonna totally flip. Like something is gonna happen here. And then, nah, bro, he played no. you Ray. He played <laughs> he played everybody. It was like, okay, now we know where we're going for the final one. It yeah. is going to be Ren versus Ray. Ren's the dark side. Ray's the, Ray is the last Jedi. Yeah, there's the title mystery solved for you, uh, and that's where we're going. That's where this this trilogy will end, and it needed that I think because you have to have. I mean, if it what let's say you know, oh, well, Snoke's like the Emperor. Well, then, you, and then, okay, did you complain that the Force Awakens was too much like Star Wars? Because if you have a whole Emperor apprentice thing again, building a big bad up to the third one, that's just like Empire and Jedi. Yep. No, this, this this one was
1: not like the the others.
0: Exactly, it took a step. To me, it honored what came before, and this is the direction we're going now because this is the future in this world. It's not governed and controlled by the Skywalker family forever. Right. Or like they're not the big players there anymore. Uh the whole thing with Luke at the end was amazing. Beautiful. The last thing he sees, what is it what is what is that motif through every Star Wars oh, film? Yes. The, two the two sons. sons. I'm like oh, yep. <laughs> Keep it together. Keep it together. I mean that and no, I'll be honest. I would have liked to see more Luke. Absolutely. I know. When I would he have, vanished, I, I was like, uh but well, but guess what they did in this one too? They bring they reminded everybody that Force Ghost will be around. So yeah. I'm sure we'll see Force Ghost. Back. <laughs> uh, Luke talking to Ray all the time. I'm glad it was puppet Yoda,
1: not like oh that was the be- that
0: was the best <laughs> thing when it when, when it first panned over. I'm like, at first like oh shit. I'm like Am I inside the kid of me, he's like oh my god, it's Yoda.
1: It's not even the CG looking Yoda. And then it showed him like and then it's like, holy shit it's puppet Yoda. Puppet Yoda. <laughs> it's the real Yoda.
0: <laughs> Which it should have been, because yeah. the last time we saw him was five. And that so. scene, to me, that was one of the best scenes like, in the really. entire film for me, was when Yoda's like and he, he basically says, like, the past is over. Yeah. We have to make a new you know, yeah, like the three <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like <basically>, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and you know, the the religious and philosophical aspects this film brought into the Jedi mythos.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: was incredible, I thought. And yeah. I say incredible, I mean, simply because you, we never got this level of Jedi mysticism in any of the other ones aside from, ah, oh, the Force is this. Yeah, You know, it, it was still mysterious, and it still is mysterious, but it's like, no, balance is this.
1: Yeah. Excuse me. I think it gets rid of the uh, the lines they're trying to put on it, trying to make it even more mystical. Yeah. Yeah, instead of making actual books about it that, you know, says what it is. Yeah, like, I agree. No, those those were not page turners. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everybody like, you know, the, the post Thursday night, amazing, amazing. And then like, of course you have those people. And I'm, some people will say this because they just don't want to be like others. And some people will, like our friend, Josh, who's a very articulate person can mm-hmm. explain. He will explain, like when I talk to him about it, he texted me like after D and D, like 1130. I'm like, I can't text this right now. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> I'm going to get on Facebook Messenger so I can actually type it instead of texting it. Right. Uh, my thoughts. But I think a lot of people are just those people. We all know those kind of people that just, I just didn't like it. But when somebody says something like that, be a good person and just say, why? Yeah. Why didn't you like it? Making people explain themselves, A, helps you both grow as people because you yep. hear something that you might not have thought, but B, it also makes sure that that person, that son of a bitch knows what they're talking about. <laughs> and that's what I'm interested in when I have conversations with people, when they say, why don't you like it? Or, uh, that was, man, that movie was bad. What was bad about it? Let's talk about it. Let's see, like, let's see. Because I'm a Star Wars fan, you're a Star Wars fan, and everybody can have their opinion. Uh, now, of course, there's that Star Wars glow, just like after episode one, after episode three, after (laughs) Force Awakens and Rogue One. You know, two of those are not like the other two. But, you know, when you come out of a Star Wars movie, you got that Star Wars high. But, uh, I personally, you know, aside from the little side mission, I really don't. You no, know, of course, were there things that I personally would have rather seen? Of course, mm-hmm. but the people that just rip it, thinking it was supposed to be some amazing epic, you know, with, with some other storyline, you know, I was I was completely surprised that the film was basically they were just getting away the whole time. They're just trying oh, yeah. to survive. Like,
1: almost it was. I think they wanted it to be real-time, but there were certain parts that didn't feel like real-time. Like, everything that was happening it, with the ships and the getaway felt like real-time. But whenever you cut to Ray's part, you know, it felt like days were going by. Yeah.
0: because it, Well, it did. There were day and night cycles because yeah. you're sleeping. In the morning, you train.
1: Yeah. So. So the whole time they were running away, never sleeping or anything like that. Well, it, that's a good... That's a
0: very good point because... Don't they say in the beginning how much fuel do we have, like 12 hours or something? Yeah. So either days are very short on Octu, which is the planet that Luke's on,
1: yeah.
0: or that just exists in a separate, they're not... Right, these different aren't. timeline.
1: Although... And it catches up once they meet up. Yeah,
0: very Dunkirk of you, Johnson, but uh, <laughs> in traditional Star Wars you know, film language, all these things happen at the same time. Like the end of Jedi, you're on the ship with Akbar, you're in the cockpit with uh, Lando, you're on the Death Star with Luke, you're on indoor with Leia and Han, and this is mm-hmm. all, when it cuts, when Han's like, oh, I'll figure something out, and it cuts to Luke in the throne room, that is happening at the exact same time.
1: Right. And the, to the comment I was saying about the uh, kid, it feels more like the kid's movie than the last one. The, the inclusion of animals is over the top in this. Mm, the porgs. The porgs. The, oh, the uh, horses. Little, the, the horses, yeah, the thing. little silver uh, crystal things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, all of them were used in the story, except for the porgs, I think. Were the porgs even used? Not really. It was just like... That was just a, a humorous, Comedic thing, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could have done with less of that. Because they were also put into scenes... I felt like they were... There's one scene where Ray's like, pointing outside of the Falcon cockpit, and there's a porg there in the foreground, like... There's no acknowledgement of it. While filming, she had no idea that was there, <laughs> <laughs> and because it felt like it was just put in too much mm-hmm. for those porgs. So yeah, I probably could have done with just the foxes and the horses. Porgs, I, I didn't really. You get it was all comedy, yeah, yeah, and there was an. I think there was enough comedy already with uh, Yoda and other characters. Like it mm-hmm. gave Chewbacca comedy.
0: Uh, I'm holding for General Hux. Yeah, yeah, all that <laughs> stuff was
1: fine. Yeah, that's our comedy, and uh, maybe, yeah, to that. Not, I don't think the porks were even necessary, really. They didn't distract me that much. I mean, I do agree because, like, to the level they were. Because then,
0: like, to me, I was I didn't even really notice the overuse, like you were saying, of animals until the end with the, with the blatantly all the fox stuff, the, which they look cool. Yeah, that and provided, it played off.
1: Yeah, it was it included in the story, uh, but yeah, whenever they were walking around in that room, right about inside the door. They're all like having this conversation just about dogs. Everywhere. Yeah, every, all over the place. I was like, "That's kind of odd." I mean, <laughs> all just like, sitting a, around like they're part of the resistance. Yeah, I don't
0: disagree, but I like I like the hints of alienness that they show. Like you know, you, in the original trilogy, you got that with the Jawas and you know, uh, Mos Eisley Cantina. Yeah. Where you where you because that that's honest and still I wish they would have they did do a little bit more when they had that they had that one pilot again that they showed the alien that is an alien you know Poe's like oh good to see you buddy." you know just like acknowledges like hey friend Uh, but you know uh, the universe the galaxy isn't just humans it's true so and well the casino did have some of that but again that was just like that that felt like a scene from the prequels put into this movie that was like Empire yeah and tone like the tone of going from we're all going to die. To we got to find the code breaker. I kind of like you. Well, you know, I mean, just it, this other guy will do. <laughs> yeah. It just felt like so. The contrast was uneven to mm-hmm. me, and that's what that's kind of slowed it down. Like, because he's like, when my, first of all, because they denied vehemently that Lando wasn't in it, which was true. But two points I kept like, oh, this is a perfect introduction to Lando.
1: Yeah, because. Mas, who runs this place, Lando.
0: <laughs> yeah, Maz would not know that Finn or uh, Rose would know who Lando Calrissian is. She's like, go find him, betting he's he's great with a black... Like, building this Justin Trudeau's minor character up to be a badass. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, like, why... why? You're Talking about
1: Maz, right? Yeah, when she's, yeah. like, fighting, like, talking. And that's the other thing. That Maz scene, that was forced in, very much so. Like, why did she have to be running around fighting like a drone camera was chasing her? <laughs> I think was, uh
0: just I mean, she a, could
1: have just been talking, normal. Um, I mean, if they, they wanted to include her for some reason. Um, I mean, well, that's, they sh- who they,
0: that's who Finn would know to contact, to would know
1: something like that. I mean, they could have stuck with the, uh, the classic blue hologram, you know? Just, I mean, that's Star Wars. They went through. Yeah. And through. Um, I don't know. I thought it was very strange that she's running around fighting. It's, and it's not even, like, related to anything. It's like, oh, don't worry about this. It's just a union dispute. I was like, well, then why is she doing it? <laughs> why did this? Why is it important for me to see that, mm-hmm. you know, as a viewer? Maybe just something different. I don't know. Didn't yeah, bother. Was... It
0: didn't bother. I mean, you, you're exactly right with your point.
1: Yeah. But
0: didn't bother me because yeah, I, I was too busy. Like, it's got to be Lando. It's got to be fucking Lando. She's got to be talking about Lando Calrissian. Uh, and then it's just like, you know, expected that camera to pan up when that dice roll. Ah, that's it. Billy D smiling his ass off. And then, they, I, I, then what they should have done is he moves out of the way.
1: Oh, And then, and then somebody Justice else
0: or just something, because where the fuck is Lando? Yeah. I, uh, and then, oh, at the end where she's like, Leia's like, use my code. Yeah. I was like, Lando's going to come and say the fucking day. Because <laughs> he would, you know, if, you kept that, waiting if for that code's Lando? out there, uh, well, I mean, they're sitting there saying, like, this is the last of the rebellion. Yeah. I'm like, well, nobody even mentions Lando Calrissian. He <laughs> kind of blew up the second Death Star. He kind of saved everybody just like Luke did in the first one.
1: Uh,
0: granted, he had his little, you know, troubles on Cloud City, but, I mean, you know, he was either turn over Han or lose his, all the population of uh, Bespin. He had to do what a leader would do. He had to give up the f- uh, few for the many.
1: Yeah. Overall, but he made up
0: for it. He nearly died on Jabba's sail barge. <laughs> just a little higher. Just a little higher. But they bet- They. I just want to know where, land- where the fuck he is. It, like Because... He that is a big character, and everybody, you know, they haven't acknowledged that Boba Fett is even alive, right? Which that would have been just a cool scene, even just like a bit part, like I'm looking for somebody, just just a fan service type part, just to establish the fact mm. that he, is he alive or not? Because they threw out all that stuff uh, when Disney bought it, or when Force Awakens came out, they took out the uh, all the old stuff, you know, all that post Jedi stuff is no longer canon. So, uh, and again, once they started doing the new stuff, I tried to keep up with the books for, like, the new timeline, but, I mean, they're coming out so fast, it's, I don't read enough to, I don't read books, enough books to stay on top of it. So, I don't know what they're doing with that. Uh, Not that I'm a Boba Fett fanboy, I'm on the camp that he looks cool, yeah. and the myth about him would be a great movie, but Blind Han Solo sent him to the pit of the Sarlacc, the Sarlacc pit, (laughs) so that's all I got to say about Boba Fett yeah but uh, you know uh, just stuff like that but I mean, Lando's a major character who had a great character arc in Empire and Jedi mm-hmm. and it would have made sense just to have him on there at least at some point or a mention so it li- like those two points I was like okay this is Lando you know
1: yeah,
0: just you know something to buy him time or well he we got Phasma
1: so <sighs> that was I'm
0: glad we got more of her but now she's dead
1: again I don't think she's dead I think she's gonna come back and like her eyes gonna be burned right there. <laughs> she's gonna <to> look badass. <laughs> I, uh, it's gonna just be charred, like, yeah, like that. In her eye coming through.
0: <laughs> and I was excited. I did see like a still shot of that, so I knew that Paz, well, actually would get to do something in this one. Yeah. And I was looking forward to that and excited for that. But again, that was like two mi- like a minute. Yeah, I know. I'm like she is a badass. She leads all these groups, yeah. all these soldiers. Or a reason that wouldn't be just because she can get her ass kicked by a fin, you know, and in her armor repels <laughs> blasters. Even. How cool is that? Yeah. Which I mean that, that sequence was awesome, but add another minute or something for that character mm-hmm. because I, I thought Phasm was awesome. Just like
1: probably give everyone that armor.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, why does Why does she know, get it? <laughs> which that'd be a cool side story. Yeah. You know, instead of solo, a Star Wars story, I don't care. Right. I, I like that there is mystery to Han Solo. All these stuff, I, you know. another friend were talking about it on Facebook the other day, uh, how you, know, you hear like, oh, he made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs and you hear about all this other stuff that he did. He freed the slaves. You know, Han Solo to me is the type of character that if you knew the true story, it wouldn't be anywhere near as cool. Yeah. Because it's, you know who Han Solo is from what you've seen and to me, that's more, that would be a better mystery or like leave him out of it because A, don't recast one of the most iconic characters oh. in history bar none I mean I'll hold my judgment till the movie but I'm not excited for it I am however excited for the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie which they should have done that one way before the solo movie because that would be way more interesting because you McGregor fucking nailed it that's you. Know, there's one good thing to say about the prequels it's McGregor's yes. Kenobi Yeah. by far like
1: yep and Liam Neeson yeah
0: <laughs> that brief moment that he's actually in it Qui-Gon Jinn yeah, but overall, I mean, I've kind of gone over how much... I mean, I, I love that I'm excited for the next one. People are like, oh, I'm just going to wait for a Blu-ray for the next one. I'm like, bullshit, motherfucker. <laughs> bullshit.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that. That That's like, bullshit. I
0: understand that it's not a perfect movie, but there were so many moments that were just like... Like, I've not been this surprised at a film in a long time yeah. in terms of something that is this nostalgic and near and dear to not just my heart, but so many people who, in our age group and any age group, mm-hmm. Star Wars is a huge thing. Granted, like it'd be cool. Uh, oh yeah, this would have been cooler. Blah blah blah. But you know, let's let's. Snoke is not the big bad that you got to worry about. Yeah, it's Kylo fucking Ren, yeah. who it should be. And uh, Ray is, she's Ray. Yep. We're, we are outside of the, clo- of the circle of friends. We are into the <laughs> galaxy. Yeah. The galaxy. All these stories. Thank you. We have new characters. Exactly what Kylo Ren said. You know, let's get rid of the old. Exactly. Yeah. That's a summation of the entire movie. Like, look, they're here. You know, well, now Leia's the only one here, but she's going to so. be out of it for yeah. the next one. You know, she's like... going
1: to be covered probably in those paragraphs at the beginning. Yeah. Leia <laughs> again has passed away or who or, knows. Or she's retired to another planet. So-and-so has taken over. Yeah, that's gonna. be... I mean, what can they do? I think that has to be it, right?
0: I mean, they could try to see. I mean, are, would, I mean, but in this day and age, would they? Would they be? Uh, I think the brazen okay enough to that. CG.
1: No. Nah. Like, I think she's gonna be covered actress? in the crawl at the beginning. You know, after Leia Organa has, you know, mm-hmm. gone off to the outer rim, so and so has taken over, and yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting regardless. But this one.
0: I, I, can, I understand how it didn't live up to people's expectations because of what they might have. Oh, Snoke's going to be the Emperor's son, and Rey is going to be a Kenobi, and uh, yeah, Kylo's going to turn good, and they're going to team the most up. most fucked up family trees ever. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, maybe that could work, but it doesn't let's, have to let's break way. it yeah. down here from episode one to episode eight. It's all about the Skywalkers. Yeah. And, you know, they have that hint in there and and the Force awakens, you know, they show the X-Wing pilot helmet. They show the little figure that she may have an X-Wing pilot. All these Mm -hmm. illusions. Why is she so strong with the Force? No. There's no reason. Yeah. The Force isn't tied to the Skywalker family. Right. Anybody, not anybody, but I mean, she is exceptionally Force sensitive. The Force awakens. Yep. The Last Jedi.
1: Now, she's lacked the training that Luke had. But then again, Luke didn't grow up the way she did. You know, she grew up knowing how to fight and everything Yeah, she had to survive from a young age. So I guess she didn't need as much training as Luke did.
0: Well, also, I mean, keep in mind, too, Luke, I mean, that's the parallel, too. Uh, Luke had Yoda and Empire. Yeah. And then that was it. And, well, Ben Kenobi at first. Right. And then it was just like, yeah, uh, Jedi comes back, hey, Yoda, what's up? Oh, die, I must. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I need to finish my training. Uh, Go fight your father. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Jedi you know, <laughs> hence return of the jedi yeah. uh, I'm poking fun at it, but I mean, it's still awesome uh <laughs> but- and of course star I mean that's the thing like I like this aspect when it works, and maybe it's because i'm I'm so invested in the mythology of Star Wars that between Empire and Jedi, we know some times past, mm-hmm. Luke isn't just going to be sitting there watching fucking television, <laughs> he's gonna be. Uh, in and ha- in practicing what he was been taught. He's going to become a better Jedi. He had to build another lightsaber between Empire and Jedi. Mm-hmm. They don't explain that in the opening crawl, or like there's no allusion to that. It's yeah. just, I, I, yeah, there, time has passed. Things have happened. I don't need, yeah, I don't need like that exposition. You know, we, we were talking mm-hmm. before how I've watched Hateful Eight like 20 times the past month because of. It's my favorite Tarantino movie, and honestly, probably one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. I absolutely, I don't know what it is. I just fucking love that movie. I can watch it back to back. To back. It. Absolutely. But anyway, Tarantino is such a genius of writing that, now, if you're, of course, if you're, pay, if you're paying attention, looking for it, you'll see it. But just because of how his dialogue works, the first, there's so much exposition in that movie -hmm. That's what they call him, the Hangman. You know that, like um, you know if you want to building a
1: world though. Yeah,
0: if you want to nitpick, well, of course she knows, because she's been chained to him for who God knows how long. But at the he like it's done in a way to where you you almost don't even realize it. Yeah. That, but like you said, he's building this world, and in in the Star Wars universe, again, it's a universe, (laughs) galaxies. Yep. You don't need you know. Some plot holes, yeah. Okay, that's a plot hole. But some plot holes, it's hey, it's a galaxy. I mean, there's who knows what happened. Isn't is it absolutely integral to the store For every plot hole, no. Some of them, good point. Take it on faith.
1: We're yeah. on the force. <laughs> Take it on the force.
0: You know, but uh, <laughs> it's I'm just shocked that like for people to put this one on prequel caliber, caliber levels. I think that is that's. I think you're wrong. I mean, it's your opinion again, of course. Uh, well, let's mm-hmm. have a great discussion about it. But I mean, come on, go watch Attack of the Clones again and tell me that this one is worse. No way. No way. Not again. Yeah, you also opinion. have to
1: remember this is the this is number eight of a bigger story too. Yeah, this isn't. You know, it isn't called Skywalker's. It's called Star Wars. And if Josh saw it with his kids, that's the reason those little bird things are in there. <laughs> we <Well, laughs> well, yeah, those kids. Because uh, I don't. Again, I didn't see the, the teaser.
0: I don't think had those in it. And then I kept seeing all over like the toys, like. Get your Star Wars porg toy. I'm like, what the fuck are these things?
1: Right. You know, and then you That's watch them be like, kids. okay. Yeah, exactly. That's if what If the they weren't in want. there, then the kids may lose interest in the film. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <That's, laughs> I mean, yeah. You have to when you're making this big of a movie, you gotta cater to everybody. Yeah. So you gotta have you romance have in there for whoever's interested in the romance, you gotta have action for them. You gotta have the kids' stuff too. Mm-hmm.
0: Because I mean, let's face it, it go
1: again, with that parallel
0: and that in mind, mm-hmm. you go from that casino. Plotline with, you know, all the animals in there, you know, yeah. even though it, it's kind of dark when they're like, you know, you know, this is a slave planet and these people all sell weapons that kill everybody. And like, but anyway, let's go ride the horses and have, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff. But then you cut to the throne, Snoke's throne, Snoke, Snoke's throne room and like, you get in some heavy shit now. But then you have an amazing lightsaber tool.
1: And those horse things kind of look like the... Uh The big uh, creature from the last Guardian game.
0: Yeah, with (laughs) the ears. When
1: I saw that, I was like, where have I seen this before?
0: (laughs) But anyway, uh, let us know what you think. 80 gmail.com. Jesse, did I I leave out any? uh, Didn't want to overtalk you or anything? No, because I don't think we covered it. So that's uh, that's what we think about Star Wars The Last Jedi again, upon first viewing. uh, I plan on seeing it again before I go to California, just uh, because it deserves that. I think it's. I think it's great. There was so again, there were so many just moments of so like perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. To where they you know, let's be objective. That the stuff that really I really liked could have easily blinded me to stuff that or maybe, you know, oh, because this happened, I don't care about this.
1: All of Ray's stuff was awesome. I yeah. could just watch that. Yeah. Finn's stuff suffered. Definitely. That's but what, again, that's where I stand. And and um Poe's stuff was Somewhere in the middle. Mostly positive, though. Yeah, I liked it. It was just, again... And Hux's stuff was good. I could see the rift happening there. Yeah. And for and the future.
0: That's where, and that's where nine's going to be. Yeah. I mean, they, these, are, these are, you know... And also, if you judge it too harshly, let's see where this is going. Something yeah. might not make sense now, there's another one. Co- we know this isn't right. like a movie that we don't know if a sequel's coming we're or not. We're
1: getting one every year until it stops making money.
0: Yeah, which is never going to happen. It's <laughs> fucking Star Wars. And uh, again, aside from the... Since Disney's had this franchise, there are three films in now. Flawless to me. Yep. I mean, flawless is, denotes perfection. It's, everything's been great. Right. I'm, I've been happy with everything. Rogue One, I guess, hey, there were no Skywalkers in it. Well, until the end, technically. It's not like Ernest Rides Again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Star know, Wars Rides Again. And to me, why was Rogue One so good? Because you had no clue what you were getting into. Rogue One was awesome. I really And liked they handled it with maturity on a level that hasn't been seen since Empire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And remember, when you say that, that's not. It's not like a few weeks, a couple years ago. Empire was the second Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think it Rogue One just nailed that. And I think a lot of part, a lot of moments of the Last Jedi, did the same. Uh, now, of course, Abrams coming back for nine. He's just, it's all over the internet today and yesterday that he's pitched the story for episode nine, which it kind of shocks me to think that they don't have these laid out since seven, so you know where you're going, right? As to the deal, so I, I imagine
1: know. some of the public has influence on that.
0: That's what I was going to suggest: is that they wanted to see what people thought about this, and then okay, yeah. okay now we're going to adjust this and go to this. And then the other contingencies
1: or whatever for for. Nine. I mean, imagine being in those shoes. You're like responsible for this huge thing. Well, obviously, based on the feedback for Last Jedi, it's fifty fifty. I know it's just. Which is. I don't know. It's what? it's a mixed mixed blessing. I mean, you're set for life. You're, that's your job now is to take care of this series. But the pressure. But the pressure <laughs> of it. If you drop it.
0: <laughs> yep. But anyway, uh, the only other movie I saw of note was *The Foreigner* with Pierce Brosnan and Jackie Chan, which uh, was actually really good. Hmm. Uh, in in term, uh, I'm not gonna say it's cookie cutter, but any person been, who's like seen, Taken, kind of. <laughs> is that the right of, movie I'm thinking of? Yeah, we're like, it, well, his daughter dies. Jackie Chan's daughter dies in a bombing. Oh, it dies, yeah. That's and right. Pierce Brosnan that's is uh, like the Irish ambassador. And Jackie's like, I need you to find the people who did this. Because yeah. he wants to He wants to, leave him, he wants to go all taken yeah. <laughs> on him. Uh, and it just escalates from there. Yeah. But uh, if you've seen any kind of movie like that, that you know what you're getting into mm-hmm. without spoiling anything, you know, A leads to B, B leads to C. Sure. You know, it's, it doesn't do anything, doesn't break terribly any new ground. Yeah. But Brosnan and Chan, amazing in it. Awesome. And Jackie Chan's 60-plus years old. And from what I read, because I was trying to find out, like, for sure, still did 90% of the stunts in the movie. Awesome. So. <laughs> 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 uh, but, uh, yeah, Ben, in the Asia Mania podcast, uh, I remember, I think one of your f- friends, I think it was maybe Freddie, said he's seen it or was going to see it. I'm sure you'll like it as well. I thought it was it was very good. It was a good thriller, and it was great. A, seeing Pierce Brosnan, use. I'm not gonna say his actual accent, but an exaggerated version of his actual accent, because Pierce Brosnan's <laughs> Irish, and Jackie Chan in a dramatic role. Not like he's had dramatic moments in the past. Don't get me wrong, but this is like this is a drama slash action. There is no comedy. Right. This is like he is on point, and he did fantastic, as well as Brosnan. Cool. So I would definitely recommend that one. Uh, played any new games lately, or just been working on the movie? Just working on the movie. Which uh, it's almost Should done. be done. So
1: yeah, I'm almost. I'm going to call it done when you're at like past ninety five percent, or even ninety nine percent. Yeah, I'm just going to call it done unless I find some, unless someone finds some errors. By the way, if you're interested in watching a movie that <laughs> you don't know any of the actors <laughs> in, uh, let me know at eightiesrevisited at gmail dot com because I'm looking for people to review it and just give me an overall opinion, or maybe if you see like a glaring mistake or. I don't think there's any glaring mistakes. That's the problem. Yeah. And I could, whenever you're responsible for something like it, you could work on it forever. Yeah, it'll never exactly. be done. So you creator just need, syndrome. You need to cut it off and be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's yep, where I yep. am.
0: So more on that as it's act- when uh well, actually by the time our next episode comes out that it actually should be available. I would imagine. Are you going to put it out on YouTube when it's done, or are you going to like hold it for festivals or anything? Uh, it's
1: going to be held. Held for a while. Okay, well. Probably won't come out till the end of next year. Well, there you go. So you see
0: the trailer though, right?
1: Trailers on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah, trailers on YouTube. Sigily Films, S-E-I-D-U-L-E. Um, and it'll probably be actually be on Amazon. Amazon Video. Cool. It's better than... Before YouTube.
0: 90% of the shit that I see on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. I think I talked about... It, I can't remember if it was on, the pot, on the air or not, but just the bad movies I was watching. I just got on a kick of watching like... star movies on amazon yeah but like these are when i say that these aren't like studio movies these are people like just like us but not like us right in that they thought what they made was good right and they were wrong it's hard man it's hard it is but at the same time it's not (laughs) (laughs) something some
1: some aspects are this day and age sure it's not it's not hard Well, I mean, in the the studio realm, it's going through a lot of filters. Yes. Um, And sometimes those filters are helpful. They kill creativity, but at the same time, they make it more appropriate for everybody and Mm -hmm. make it more acceptable, even if it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And that's what my film is kind of doing, I think. And that's good enough for just new filters, because it's really hard to make something that's, yeah, that was all right. It's mostly... That was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> if I could make something that was like, oh, yeah, that's all right. Hey, that's pretty good for a no filter, no budget. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so, yeah, if, uh, I'm trying to make sure. Yeah. Everybody wants to make something that's fantastic, but it's really hard to do that, or else everybody would be doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. one day. But... Go to YouTube and search fan film. Yeah. <laughs> Although,
0: there are some fantastic fan films out sure, there. Don't but get I mean, me wrong. they're
1: 3 minutes long.
0: Yeah. Try to make something and it's an hour just a and a half Fight long. scene
1: or it's just something yeah. it's just one scene. Give me an hour and a half of awesome. Yeah, also. give me a feature. And then we'll yeah, talk. That's really hard. But <laughs> hey, Cover Me is at 1 hour and 16 minutes. So. And Red X was what? Right under an hour? No, that was an
0: hour and 12. Okay. But this, so Cover Me is still long, longer longer yeah, longer. Well, long. Barely. Yeah. Barely. yeah I'm but I I'm hey.
1: think like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I did uh, Lights was 32 minutes or something like that, and eh. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Video game-wise, I started Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, because, A, it was on sale a few weeks Mm ago, got it on sale. I heard nothing but good things about it. Uh, I'm halfway through it. I find it tiring and completely overrated, so I'm hoping that it gets better. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but it like popping up on game of the year lists and all that. The story is, it's not bad, but the characters in it are just, Oh God, they're just aggravating. And there's just a lot of, you want to talk about plot holes. This game's filled with them. Uh, but nevertheless, it looks good. It, it plays well. It's just, I was expecting some sort of game of the year type material here. And at least halfway through it, not seeing that, uh, and good God, like it's a f- so fucking hard, uh, just cheap. And my heart, I mean, y- there's, you die so many times with just cheap deaths and I don't respond well to that at all. So I knocked the difficulty down a notch or two and it's a lot more enjoyable now without rage inducing, uh, body slamming my wife through a table or anything. So uh, the other thing, uh player unknown battlegrounds came out for Xbox, uh, runs like shit. I mean, let me phrase that. Uh, it looks like shit. Uh, it runs decently, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it's just... That needs some work on console for sure. Uh, and I guess that's about it for games. TV, Walking Dead ended. Uh, and we're just right back where we started on that from the beginning of the season, so not much to say there. Uh, no emails this week, but, uh, but you know, send your... Inf- uh, Anything you got to say about Ernest? You send your Ernest memories to 80sRevisited at gmail.com. Your Star Wars uh, highlights and lows to 80sRevisited at gmail.com. Uh, uh, at 80 visited on Twitter. At Awesome Pods on Facebook. All that kind of fun stuff. Uh, let's see. Make sure we're not missing anything before we hit the road. Uh, Shout-outs. Of course, Ben with the Asia Mania Podcast. By the time you hear this, they should have their 200th episode out. Uh, looking forward to that. As well as... Uh, Ben's uh, train podcast. So be sure to send him an email demanding uh, the train podcast to happen. And just shout outs again to everybody we talked about earlier to help make, help get us here to 200 episodes. Uh, you know, we truly appreciate it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Me and Jesse have had some great conversations along with, you know, the other hosts that we've had here and, you know, most important part made friends all over the world. There you go. You know, I have a friend in Tasmania now. I have a friend, couple of friends in the UK, I got friends in California all sorts of stuff. That's just, And that's really cool from just sitting here in Jesse's house talking <laughs> about 80s movies. You can do it, too. Exactly. It's a lot of fun. Just do it. Do it. Uh, but, yeah, so next week, or let me, let me phrase that. When we come back from our Christmas break <laughs> in the new year, the first episode of next year, we'll be doing Hard Ticket to Hawaii, and we're just going to be doing back-to-back requests till we kind of get through all of them. There's about six of them. So uh again unless unless we have a surprise episode with daniel getting his availability worked out that we'll throw that in there but yeah so if you have a request that you haven't already sent to me or would like to add another one just shoot it over to age visit at gmail.com and we'll just tack it on but we're gonna have some good ones and uh there's a couple that uh obviously we've promised hard ticket for hawaii to hawaii for a long time with ben but uh, we're gonna get that one taken care of first and then uh our friend of ours in the UK will be happy to know that his pick will be after that one. So you know who you are, buddy.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: but anyway, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate it. Everybody be safe. And I guess that does it. We'll be back next year. Yeah. So uh, until then, I remain Trey Harris,
1: Jesse Sedgley,
0: Cowabunga. Know what I mean? <laughs>